Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Five of our listeners are going to pick up prizes on the programme today because we have five pairs of tickets to give away to a show that's on in the Everyman and we have tickets for next Monday night, the 11th of February. It is described as the desperately funny. (laughs) <laughs> the desperately funny Fly Me to the Moon is by the award-winning writer uh, Marie Jones and it is set in it's to do with two community care visitors and one of their elderly charges who's had a significant win on the horses I'll tell you no more than that but it's meant to be a very very fun night out and we have tickets to get you there as I say five pairs of tickets thanks to our good friends at the Everyman we'll give them away a little bit later on on the programme so do stay tuned to that your chance to win Fly Me tickets to Fly Me at the Moon at the Everyman on Monday the 11th and uh, you can get more ticket information by going to everymancork.com the newspapers today as you well imagine uh, is full of commentary on the second day of strike action by the nurses and they certainly got a miserable day weather-wise to be out on a picket line but it didn't look like the miserable weather and that miserable weather was all over the country. It didn't uh, deter them and they were back out on the picket lines yesterday saying it was pay and conditions is what they were fighting for and the pay and conditions have gone down at Hill and they're also saying they will continue to strike until the situation was reversed. And many of the papers today sent reporters out to the various picket lines and chatting with the nurses and getting comments from the nurses and no matter what paper you pick up today you'll see comments from some of the nurses like one nurse saying we're striking to save our staffing levels the staffing level on the wards is critical and it's a breaking point she said patient safety is at the heart of our strike what we are trying to do Obviously, she said we do want pay uh, restoration. Another nurse uh, spoke about the hours that they were working and the the work that they were expected to do. It's led them to reach a breaking point with that nurse saying if we were paid more, we would have more staff. But this is something I mentioned yesterday as well. I just don't know if giving nurses extra pay, if we don't look at the conditions that they're talking about and the burnout that they're talking about on the wards, I don't know you could pay them all the tea in China and I wonder will it get more nurses to come back uh, to this country I mean the Taoiseach Leah Varadkar 
making a similar point yesterday in the Dáil. He said that there's no guarantee that granting nurses a pay rise would help address retention and recruitment issues in the health service. He said offering a pay rise may not help retain nurses or it might not help attract young workers into the profession. And then he cited examples. Hasn't worked in Australia and they haven't and it hasn't worked in the Middle East and Australia is a good example to use because the nurses themselves are saying we're losing too many of our young nurses who are heading to Australia and the reason Australia look to countries like Ireland and the Middle East is the same they can't retain their own staff in Australia they can't get their own nurses to work so they have a retention issue and even though they've well certainly Australia when we spoke with that young nurse on Monday, they seem to be doing everything right in that the pay is okay, uh, the pay is better than it is here, and the conditions are certainly better. But one of the things that sort of worries me when you hear the nurses talking about burnout and you hear them talking about the long hours that they're that they're working, and I heard one of the other papers today has a report of a nurse saying that she has fallen asleep at the wheel and has had to pull in going home from a long shift. She is so exhausted. And that got me thinking, and if there's any nurses listening, perhaps they can answer this. Why do Irish nurses opt to work 12-hour shifts? I mean, when we when we went to Australia to find out what they were doing right, the first thing we heard was they don't have 12-hour shifts. They have three eight-hour shifts and one of them is a 10-hour shift so that it, it over, overlaps. But nobody is allowed to work a 12-hour shift. Our own nurses are saying they do a 12-hour shift, which then goes to 13 hours. Now, I know the majority of nurses opt to do 12-hour shifts because then they work a three-day week they get all their hours done in three days rather than spreading it out over five. If what's happening is causing burnout and they are so busy during that 12-hour shift, maybe that shift is simply too long. Does that need to be looked at? Is that something that nurses can go back to the HSC? Is that something the Department of Health can say, OK, let's put a total ban on 12-hour shifts. We're still going to have the same number of nurses inside in the wards, but let's make sure that no nurse works longer than an eight-hour than eight day. Might be a bit simplistic, but I think it's something worth uh, looking at. Now, obviously, there's a huge government push underway to try to stop what now is six more national nurses' strike days. They're trying to get the union back into talks today. Sources are saying frantic efforts behind the scenes. And I'm glad to hear that there are efforts going on behind the scenes because we're not certainly hearing about any sort of talks that are that are going on. And seemingly there have been going on for the last 24 hours to try to find new uh, grounds. And, you know, the Work Relations uh, Commission of the Labour Court one of the, somebody's going to have to step in. We really do need a third party in the middle of both sides now, the health department and the uh, nurses. We have another 24-hour stoppage planned for tomorrow. There's three for next week and the three next week are back-to-back Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. And then there's another two strike dates for the following week. I'm open to correction, but I think it's the Tuesday and the Thursday of the following week. So we need to get heads bashed together and everybody around a table and we need to get everybody uh, talking. And yesterday when we were talking about paying conditions, somebody says, Patricia, can you find out for sure, for sure, for sure what exactly is, particularly a trained nurse, because we heard, I mean, I heard Phil Nihay say 
when they were talking about the children's hospital, they were picketing obviously outside St. James's Hospital where the new National Children's Hospital has been built. And a lot of the nurses were saying, you know, they're building this beautiful ho- hospital. They're going to need 300 paediatric nurses to work in it. They're saying by the time the hospital opens, there'll be no nurse to work in it. And Phil Hay was saying the class that's coming out this year are all ready to take the boat or the plane. They're all going somewhere else. None of them are going to be uh, working here. So if you look at the pay of a newly qualified nurse. Now the Department of Public Expenditure and Reform, they're the ones that have all the figures. They say that a nurse's basic pay, this is if you look at the rise, if at the moment where it's at, it, if, it, if it, it will rise between 22% and 40% over the next two years. That's if they get the 12%. So a newly qualified staff nurse will see their basic pay rise by 25% at the moment from just under 30,000, 29,056 to 36,196 euro by the end of next year. That's going ahead as is. However, a 12% increase if they were granted that, which is what the INMO is looking for, that would push it to 40,540 in October of next year, which would be a 40% increase in two years. And I suppose they're the kind of figures that that the government are saying are simply unrealistic. But the real sadness yesterday, no matter what side of the fence you're on, and I think if you're looking at any any telephone polls that are out asking people, the majority of people are behind and are supportive of nurses and are thankful that we have wonderful nurses and we do have wonderful nurses who are committed and who are dedicated and nobody wants to see them out on a picket line. The nurses themselves say they don't want to be out on the, on the picket line. But the real losers yesterday were the patients and in particular the cancer patients and the elderly they were the ones who really got uh, caught up in the shutdown of vital hospitals and community services yesterday several cancer cancer patients had surgeries uh, cancelled causing serious anxiety to patients who have some of them have been booked in to have tumours removed and then others were patients who were due to have scans to get a, a cancer diagnosis confirmed. They also saw those scans being put on hold. Only urgent surgery went ahead yesterday and as we know all the outpatient clinics which is about 13,000 patients were cancelled. Many patients were told now are unlikely to have their appointment rescheduled for weeks or even months because there's growing concern now at the cumulative effect of the backlog. Another round of patients who were due to attend hospitals tomorrow have now been told that they have been cancelled. And we heard of a couple of people from this day last week who had an appointment who got a new date pretty quickly, which thought that was good. But unfortunately, the people who contacted us who were cancelled last Wednesday have appointments for either Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. And as of now, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week are strike days. So people who were disappointed about their appointment going last week, then saying, oh, a bit of relieved, I've got one for two weeks time. I'm, I'm fearful I'm going to be disappointed next week uh, if the strikes uh, go ahead. So just get them around the table, please. Somebody and, and get this sorted out because it really is uh, shocking. 1850 The longer it goes on, the more people are going to be affected by it. Now, some of the issues we are going to be discussing on our programme today. 
Now, HICWA yesterday released a report into an unannounced inspection at Canturk Community Hospital and it found 13 breaches in, reg- in regulations at the hospital. Concerns about overcrowding, fire safety and quality of living. And I read through the report yesterday and I, I find these reports difficult at the best of times to read, but I found particularly the ones on the quality of living I just I find that distressing to think that our elderly people are in what should be wonderful facilities and in the main they are wonderful facilities these are their homes they have to feel like it's their home and they need to be looked after as they would be if they were in their own home and some of what came out on the breaches just let me feeling a little bit sad, I have to say. So we're going to speak with the HSE today to see what they are doing to address the defi- the, the uh, deficiencies at Cantor Community Hospital. You know, I never get too worried and, and I know people. some people say, oh, you should be when paperwork hasn't been f- filled in and all the reports aren't up to date because that kind of that, a lot of that paperwork just drives me scatty because you can have all this, you can have the paperwork pay, perfect, but if the patient isn't being looked after, I would prefer my elderly mother to be looked after and for people to be kind to her and to be feeding her and make sure she's comfortable and interacting with her. I would prefer all of that than for somebody to pull out a file and say, oh, look, all your mother's paperwork is up up to date. So give me somebody looking after my mother before you uh, show me the paperwork, uh, please. Anyway, we'll talk about this unannounced inspection which happened last November, but also we want to find out more importantly what the HSE are doing to make sure that the next time HICWA go in and HICWA will be back, believe me, on another unannounced inspection that they can come back to us and say everything that HICWA asked has now been done. And what's kind of frustrating about the reason for this unannounced inspection was there had been I think three previous audits and it found that the HSE had failed to address you know things they found wrong pointed it out to them and and they hadn't done what they were asked to do so Hickwa said right we're going back in on an unexpected uh, visit I'll speak with uh, Fanola Colgan she was addressing the Women in Agriculture Forum that I'm seeing tomorrow night in the West Coast Hotel in uh, Skibbereen. This, by the way, is a free event if anybody wants to come along uh, and join us. There'll be a lot of really interesting keynote speakers and then I will be doing a roundtable discussion. And, you know, as always at these events, if you would like to ask a question, feel free. But if you just want to sit back and enjoy and listen to what the speakers have to say, you can do that uh, as well. So F- uh, Fanola is with Mental Health Ireland and she's talking about stress. Oh God, we can all do with reducing our stress and increasing our mental health and just general well-being and she gives really practical tips on what we can do for our well-being so we will speak with Fanola because I appreciate it. not everyone's not going to be able to make it to that forum tomorrow night and it is Wednesday so Peter Dowdell will answer and uh, will join us answering all of your gardening questions This is the Cork Today replay on C103 Thanks to Catherine telling a scam cause in the Kale Kill area. It's the ones about your internet. But she said they're using the number 66058. So when you see it, first of all, she said she thought it was a neighbour calling. So be careful. They've managed to tweak the numbers to make it look like it's a local number, no matter where they're calling uh, to. Thank you, Catherine. So that's the Kale Kill area this morning. Now, we're trying to get this checked, but we'll throw it out there to see if anybody, uh, anyone knows the answer on this. Hi, Trish. My daughter has an appointment in the 
Dental Hospital at Cork University Hospital tomorrow. I've tried calling to see if the strike will affect her appointment, but no one's picking up with any of your listeners. No uh, thanking you. OK, and we'll try and get onto a con. John Paul's trying to get into a contact in the HSE to see if we can find out. But the easiest way to ask this question is, did anyone have an appointment at the dental hospital yesterday at CUH or last Wednesday on either of the other strike days? And if so, did the appointment go ahead? Was the dental hospital affected? I mean, dental hospitals will have dental nurses. Do dental nurses come under the remit of the INMO? I don't know. If anyone can tell us, please. 1850-333-103. On my simplistic suggestion of why do nurses work 12-hour shifts if they're constantly talking about burnout, could they not look at doing 8-hour shifts like they do in Australia? Uh, nurses work 12-hour shifts at Sandy, but hospital doctors work up to 20 hours, especially in emergencies. A truck driver is limited to 90 hours work per two-week shifts. shift maximum. With a three-hour maximum driving time period limit, then a break of 45 minutes must be taken while not sitting in the driver's seat. A driver was fined €8,500 for breaking his 45-hour weekend break by moving his truck two feet in order to remove uh, a, a, a lawn mower. So they're really, really strict about dr- truck drivers, which profession needs longer breaks and shorter work periods without break away from the workplace. Certainly those, the hospital doctors and the junior hospital doctors, I can never understand the amount of hours that they do. Someone else says, Patricia, if you were to ban the 12-hour shift for nurses, that would mean some nurses must come in in the middle of the night. That would be laughable. No, it wouldn't. What they do in Australia, they have two 8-hour shifts and one 10-hour shift. The 10-hour shift overlaps onto the 8-hour shift. So you'd have 8 in the morning until 4 and then the next shift would come on at 4 and then 4 until midnight with the with the overnight shift coming in at 10 and they would do 10 until uh, 8 so they do so it's an 8, 8 and a 10 shift is the way they seem to do it and it seems to work there. Someone else says the real issue that causes burnout is the fact that we have a huge proportion of nurses and very little healthcare assistance therefore it's very expensive and it is keeping the staffing level low says another texter and a final one I cannot believe that somebody yesterday said it's not a nurse's job to give a patient a drink of water says Mags, if somebody's in a hospital bed and is in need of a glass of water and there's a nurse passing, what's to stop the nurse giving the glass of water? Even though, come on, I think in many cases nurses do hand out glasses of water. It was just somebody said in more than more often than not, it will be a care assistant will do it if the nurse is busy. Laura Gelga, RC103. Roguk Anagiri, Aaron Oxila is Beha, Devi Ul, Sibli Nedig Octoshock. Dalshi Inis in A on Vulin. Kunta Kirki. Imreen Anna Kamogyukt, Marlon Cooley. August Talgok, Sais Gradum Vintat Makake. Vug Anagiri, Kara Gradum Allstar. August Talbem Crave Naharan, Vuta Ake. Igavilis Akuig, Gavilis Ashe, Gavilis Ane, August Gavilis Akarde. Viana in a captainer, Erin Kirki, nor Vug Sheed, Crave Kumar to Shinshir, Naharan Sakamogyukt, Savlin Gavilis Akarde. In a hantishin is booter e the tree van club and a heron, either govilus a tree dig, august govilus a shade egg. Vector anagaminic, erin telefish ladaini, er clarica ernos, erlens fittest family, august dancing with the stars. Gone ain ago is inspiradi anna, 
Le Colini Oganatira. Le Blur Guelga is Misha Donica Olanchig or Guelskult Mastavish Maana. CKD Asa 3 Kirkig. Texts coming into the programme. We were asking about the dental hospital and what's happening with the dental hospital because a patient has, has contacted us. Her daughter has an appointment tomorrow and she's trying to get through to the dental hospital, but when she's ringing the dental hospital, all she's hearing, she's not getting any answer and she has an appointment and the dental hospital is in COH, so she's trying to find out is, see, is that particular section of the dental hospital, is that covered under the strike or not. Now somebody has sent in a text saying no the dental nurses are not the same on our are not the same. They're not on our register uh, therefore not striking. So I'm assuming when they say not on our register that the, the only one striking at the moment are the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation. So because we know the SIPTU nurses for example are not working. I don't know what what union the dental nurses work for. So somebody says that they're not uh, striking. Okay, so that's a little bit of good news for that listener. And in the meantime, we are still trying to get on to the dental hospital just to make absolutely sure because I heard of a patient yesterday. I'm not sure which hospital it was, but I heard of somebody who had an outpatient's appointment for yesterday, was ringing the hospital the day before, but couldn't get through. And I accept sometimes when you're ringing you know, be it outpatients or whatever, hospitals can be very, very busy and it can be, you know, very, very difficult to get through and they don't always have the staff available to answer the calls. And and this patient was trying to, you know, just trying to find out is my appointment cancelled or not? And she couldn't get through. So when she didn't get through, she said, oh, it must be OK, I'll go ahead. And of course, because they didn't contact her. And then she turned up at the hospital, went in to be told, you know, no, sorry, all outpatients are cancelled today. And she said, well, you know, I wasn't contacted. And whoever was there said, oh, well, we did our best to contact everyone. So not everyone. Now, they are doing, I, I, I will give the admin staff their due. They are doing their very, very best to try to contact people to say that your appointment has been cancelled. We're hearing already, for example, today people are getting contact for tomorrow to say the appointment is off. And I know yesterday we had some calls in from people saying that the hospital had already been on to them to say that Thursday's appointment had been cancelled. So we're assuming that all the outpatients and are cancelled and, and surgeries. But people still like to get the call themselves just to make sure because if you've been waiting a long period of time for an appointment and you're counting down to this appointment you, you are hoping that you don't get the phone call to say that it's been cancelled. It's a little bit of wishful thinking I suppose as well so you can if you have an appointment tomorrow you can be expecting to hear that your appointment has been cancelled. Now we mentioned and we are going to be talking in the next hour about Cantor Community Hospital and this is the HICWA report that is out that came out yesterday. 13 breaches in regulation uh, at the Cantor Community Hospital. They've raised concerns about overcrowding, fire safety and quality of uh, living and the HSE admitting that significant change is needed at this nursing home in Cantor following this latest uh, audit by HICWA. And there was an unannounced inspection because there had, I think there'd been three previous audits and they had made recommendations of what needed to be done and what needed to be done hadn't been done. So Hikwa uh, turned up. So we're going to be talking about that. And I was just making the point, I, you know, when I see that there was breaches and they were non-compliant because paperwork wasn't filled in, that never really worries me that much. But it's more to do with, I like to see that the quality of living is good and that a person is being looked after and is being looked after with kindness. I think, you know, 
and, and you can't train someone to be kind. Sure you can't. And I think the majority of people, the majority of people who work in nursing home settings are settings for elderly or vulnerable people. I think the majority are kind. You'll always have the rogue ones uh, in the middle of it. And that's why we have the likes of Hickwire checking up and just making sure that everybody is looked after. And a nurse says, hi, Patricia, I'm actually a nurse in a local community hospital. And I agree with you with what you're talking about with care of the elderly. And it should be about their care. It should be about looking after them, being kind to them and not so much about their paperwork. Do you know that an admission to a local community hospital, and I'm assuming this is the same for any nursing home, can take up to four hours because of the amount of paperwork that has to be done for a new admission. And it's not even finished then. And while you're doing all that, the residents then that are under your care are left unattended. The, the nurse, that's one nurse down while they're doing all the paperwork for the admission. Uh, it is crazy. Thank God for our healthcare assistance says and now that's a nurse working in a local community hospital and the the one thing since this nurses strike strikes that have come out and every single day that we've been covering something to do with the nurses strike we keep getting glowing reports about the healthcare assistance be it the healthcare assistance working in our acute hospitals or now the healthcare assistance there's a lovely comment in about the healthcare assistance working in our local community hospital and I know and I've mentioned this before I saw one healthcare assistant um, a man working in CUH and I I, you know when you start watching somebody in a hospital and, and he just I kept seeing him on my radar the room that I was in who I was visiting he was in and out and in and out and then over the next number of weeks every time I went up he seemed to be on duty and so I'd keep an eye out for him and he was fantastic he was going above and beyond to me the call of duty the way he was interacting with older people talking to them being so kind and so gentle with them and this is when absolutely nobody was watching he didn't know from Adam that I was actually almost stalking the poor man and staring at him and and I actually at one stage went to him and said you are so kind and so caring it's you're 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 the you're the essence of what a healthcare assistant should be if you were to put somebody up on a pedestal and say this is what a healthcare assistant should look like it should be that man unfortunately I I don't have his name on and and I wish I did because uh, he was great and and as I say, he was being very kind and very caring and, and you, know, you could see him going from bed to bed checking that people were okay and I don't know whether he was meant to be doing it or not. But he, he just seems to be always busy and always doing something in a very kind and a, a care way. And as I say, I was looking at him. He didn't know that I was following him. And that's why when I see reports like the one that's come out from Canterbury Hospital with this inspection that was going on, you would think when inspections are going on, there was three inspectors there for the full day when all of these inspections were happening, you would think people would bring their A game when when they know they're being watched. And that's why I often think when these inspections are happening that surely people are going to be doing their job perfectly because they know somebody is watching them. I'm always surprised when I see reports where they say they felt, you know, somebody wasn't doing their job right. You're thinking, God, if you're not going to do your job right when you're being inspected, what are you going to be like when you're not inspected? And it's one of the reasons, and I know this gets knocked down every time I mention it, I cannot understand in all care facilities, be they nursing homes, homes for adults with intellectual disabilities, uh, creches, Anywhere where there's somebody who's non, who, who can't verbalise themselves and able to tell you what's going on. 
why can't there be cameras on 24-7 monitoring what's going going on? Now, I know people will say privacy and all of that. I'm not saying that anyone can have access to these cameras. But I can't understand why, if my elderly mother is in a care setting, why can't I log on to the camera to the, onto the day room. I'm not asking to log on to the toilets or the bathing areas. Why can't I log on to a camera at 11 o'clock in the morning just to check and see? I wonder what my mum is doing today. I wonder if she's down in the day room. I you know, wonder what activity uh, they're doing. Same for my daughter who's got an intellectual disability. Why can't I log on to her facility to see what's going on today? I wonder what they're doing. You know, what time is it now? 10 to 11. I wonder what they're doing today in, in Marsha's daycare facility. Wouldn't it be great if I could log on and just take a look? If I've got a dog in doggy daycare, I'll have a login number so that I can check to see that my dog is okay. But yet I can't have a login facility to look at a day room to see how is my child with an intellectual disability or how is my mother or grandmother doing uh, in a nursing home. And I've, I've mentioned it, I, I constantly bring it up whenever I get an opportunity with the powers that be and it gets shut down straight away. No, that would never happen and should we, you know, privacy and all of that. And To me, privacy goes out the door. I want to make sure that my loved one is well looked after and is cared for. 1850 103. Am I going to uh, John, who is in uh, Castletown Roach, who wants to talk about the nurses' strike? Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, your point is to do with the INMO. They signed up for the public service with the Lansdowne Road Agreement. Yeah, uh, that, that would be my understanding of it, Patricia. But I want to clarify your one situation is I am not opposed to the nurses trying to better their lot. I mean, uh, obviously they think they have a, a good case and uh, that that's fine but I mean if we have uh, a situation where uh, any organisation not picking out particularly the nurses sign up to an, an industrial relations pay agreement uh, I, I think it's a recipe for disaster if everybody is going to be allowed to uh, break it because remember in the past uh, we had uh, benchmarking cost the country one billion uh, the country gained nothing out of it in terms of extra productivity. But did that benchmarking keep people who were trained for the public service at home? No, it didn't. It absolutely didn't. It didn't. And that's the one thing I, and I know the nurses keep saying, this is all about pay nurses, that it will retain nurses. I don't think it will. I, I really don't think it will. And then, as you say, if, if they give in to the nurses and the nurses breach the Lansdowne Road agreement, of course all the other unions are going to say, throw their hands up in the air and say you've done it for the nurses you have to do it for us well I mean they've already stated that they, they want relativity if one section of the public service gets it everybody must get it and remember this is taxpayers money at the end of the day and look uh, people ring in from time to time to see one or three with regard to the kind of tax they are paying when they uh, go over the, the 32 and a half thousand limit they're on a marginal tax rate of 51 percent so I mean on the other hand look if people uh, if people uh, want uh, to give the nurses what they're due it's the taxpayers who end up paying for it at the end of the day and we will have industrial chaos yes if 
OK. All right. Good point, John. Thank you for that. Thank you, and uh, thanks for joining us. And somebody else says, I'm listen- I was listening to the nurses giving the breakdown on the wages deduction. And one point was the amounts that they pay in uh, pension. I'm convinced nurses and most people are paying too much into pension funding for retirement to the benefit of companies whose main interest is profit share, price rises and pay increases for top salary management that, in my opinion, hasn't remained static over the recession. This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. I met you in the dark. You lit me up. You made me feel as though I was enough. We danced the night away. We drank too much. I held your hair back when you were throwing up. Then you smiled over your shoulder. For a minute, I was stone cold sober. I pulled you closer to my chest. And you asked me to stay over I said I already told you I think that you should get some rest I knew I loved you then But you'd never know Cause I played it cool And I was scared of letting go I knew I needed you But I never showed But I wanna stay with you First in bed, I'll bring you coffee with a kiss on your head. And I'll take the kids to school, wave them goodbye. And I'll thank my lucky stars for that night. When you looked over your shoulder, for a minute I'll forget that I'm older. I wanna dance with you right now. And you look as beautiful as ever And I swear that every day you'll get better You make me feel this way somehow I'm so in love with you And I hope you know Darling, your love is more than worth this waiting gold We've come so far, my dear
James Arthur on C103 and say you won't let go. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Age Action have been on to us to say they're doing free of charge getting started computer classes. It's for the over 55s and they begin in Bantry Community College on Wednesday, the 12th of March. The classes will run for five weeks. every Wednesday from 10.25 to 12.25 so two hours on Wednesday morning for over five weeks individual one-on-one tuition whether you've got a laptop a phone a tablet or absolutely nothing at all but you'd just like to find out more about the about computers and internet the internet etc uh, registration you can call or text Julie at 87 uh, you can email getting started cork at ageaction.ie but you can text or call Julie 087 if you're in the West Cork area and like to go to Bantry Community College to get tips on how to get started on the computer and thank you to a number of people who've called text and whatsapped us about one of our listeners whose daughter has an appointment at the dental hospital tomorrow she's having problems getting through because she doesn't want to waste her time going up if the appointment has been cancelled a number of people were on including James who said I was actually had an appointment at the dental hospital yesterday when the strike was on and they certainly weren't affected yesterday so they're only going to be affected t- tomorrow and a number of other people have been on to say no the dental hospital is not in any way affected Affected by the nurses' strike, so uh, our listener should be okay to bring her daughter to that appointment. Can we say good luck to your daughter going to the dental hospital? We were talking about taxes in the last hour, and John was joining us uh, talking about uh, nurses and the amount of taxes that just one of the things that nurses are up against but you know everybody is paying the, the taxes unfortunately it's not just uh, nurses uh, Dan said anyway he was listening to when John was talking about uh, taxes uh, Dan said do you know that we have people who are moving around Europe and not paying high taxes I was reading recently about an Irish person who moved from Ireland to Italy to avail of lower taxes in that country while we have people who live and work in this country 365 days a year and we have to pay all of these taxes and don't have the luxury of being able to move to uh, Italy. There is something wrong with the system that we have here that some people can avail of lower taxes by by moving their money around or moving themselves around. And what's the, the Cinderella rule, isn't it, for the very, very wealthy who live out of Ireland but they're here for, I don't know, is it half the year? But they have to, with the Cinderella rule, they've got to be gone out of the country by a certain time at night in order to that that gives it, that doesn't count then as as a night that they stayed in this country and oh, there's loads of ways around it and all of that and the very very wealthy can do it that way too so that they avoid paying taxes in this country. Denise in Mallow, this is on the nurses. I agree with what John had to say in the last uh, hour. While while I do feel the nurses deserve what they're fighting for for better can, because the conditions are not ideal in any hospital. I do think the terms of this agreement, it was the Lansdowne Road agreement made a number of years ago, should be kept. They all signed up to it. After all, if uh, one part of the public service leave that agreement, what's going to happen? Of course the others are going to follow suit. You'll have all of the other health professions, you'll have the teachers, civil servants, Gardaí, army, etc. 
They signed up to it. They agreed to it. Their unions agreed to it. It is wrong of them now to say that they're now not happy with it with two years left to go on that agreement. Margaret in Dunmanway says, I do feel for the nurses, but surely there is another way to deal with this instead of going on strike every time. It is not on and it is affecting too many people. Something has to be done about it. Okay. also coming into us now, we are going to be talking about Cantor Hospital in this hour. We'll be having somebody in from the HSC, but we've had some reaction in from listeners who've got loved ones in Cantor Hospital. And I was very aware when I was reading the report yesterday how upsetting this is going to be for people who've got a loved one in the hospital. But also, I know there is fantastic care in Cantor Hospital and many, many families are so delighted that their loved one is living and spending time in Cantor Hospital and they're fulsome in their praise of the staff. And some of those people, I'm delighted to say, have been contacting us today, including... um, an email in from a listener who says I am so cross with the tone about Cantor Hospital what about the staff doing a nativity play for residents and family and doing it in their own time we had a wonderful day on Christmas Day from the hug I got as I arrived to staff members who came in on Christmas Day these were staff members who were off to sing at Mass and there was another staff member who was also rostered off on Christmas Day came in with her daughter to sing and to entertain the, the residents after lunch this is just a small selection of what I've seen but I forget that Hikra only work 9 to 5 and certainly don't do spot inspections on Christmas Day and then another email in from Anna to say Hi Patricia I would like to show my support for all of the staff in Cantor Hospital My mum is a patient there for over a year and words can't describe the wonderful care she is receiving My dad and I visit her most days and it's like we're part of the hospital family I attached some photographs which I don't obviously want you to use but I want you to personally see uh, the improvement in my mother since she went to Cantor Hospital I feel the staff get a raw deal and the HICWA report doesn't reflect how wonderful the staff are at uh, Cantor Hospital. And someone else says the level of care by all of the staff at Cantor Hospital is outstanding. It is the closest you'll come to a home anywhere in the country. All disciplines of staff, from healthcare workers, nurses, chef, maintenance are fantastic. I have a parent in there and I literally cannot fault the place. And another texter says, Trisha, I visited a lot of nursing homes across the North Cork area, visiting various family members and neighbours and friends over the years. And I have to say, I think Canturk Community Hospital has the best attitude. They allow patients, for example, to stay up longer when they want to stay up longer, not forcing them all to go to bed. Whereas in other nursing homes, I have seen nursing homes use sleeping tablets to force the residents to go to sleep and to go to bed early. And then Dennis said, Patricia, from reading the report about the issues of non-compliance in Canturk, clearly there are more issues than just paperwork. There are issues, for example, relating to a slope on the floor when a ramp is present and it's not clearly marked and therefore that could lead to falls or trips. There are serious issues in relation to seals and handles on fire do- doors, 
There are issues relating to vetting of staff and issues where the cleaning staff are drafted in to fill for shortages of other staff. This can result in anything from 24 to 48 hours where the facility is not cleaned. This is not just a care and paperwork problem and I think it's disingenuous of you to say so when the facility clearly has numerous problems. Kind regard, uh, Dennis. Uh, Firstly, Dennis, when I said to you that what annoys me about some of these reports is when they focus only on the paperwork, I prefer them to focus on the care. I was being very general in all of the HICWA reports. We're going to get into what is said in the HICWA report for Cantor. We haven't done the interview uh, yet. So I was generalising when I said that I'm not that bothered when I see non-compliance because all boxes hadn't been ticked on a sheet of paper and some form hadn't been uh, filled in. That's what I said. I don't have a tendency to worry about. It's the care is the one I worry about uh, the most. But thank you for your text 086 to 103 103. Mitch Caller got two bogus calls yesterday. They, they were cork numbers. Are they looked like, can I say they looked like call? Cork numbers. There were two hours between them. Uh, the listener said she had taken written down the number the first time. So when the second time t- came, she didn't bother answering it. She's warning people don't answer calls unless they know they can check for sure who it is. And this isn't always possible with older people who can't always clearly see and identify the caller ID at number. People do have to be very, very careful. And we are getting calls. The the scam callers are around again. Sheila Kilmurray uh, just received one of the scam calls this morning alerting her. What alerted her straight away was the guy said he was calling from Aircom. She said they're no longer called Aircom, they're called Air. I hope you pointed that out to him. And finally Valerie says, Patricia, could you please uh, mention to your listeners that the NCBI charity shop in Bantam are having a half price sale today. Everything in the shop is half price. So great bargains to be had and that's from Valerie and hi and good luck to everybody in the NCBI charity shop in Bantam. C103 Jobs. A cleaner is wanted for evening work. It's approximately seven hours per week and that's in the Domanway area. While marketing personnel are wanted full and part-time. And full and part-time bus drivers are wanted for school runs, private hire and uh, tours. And a practice nurse is required for a GP practice in Amalo. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. This week, HICWA published the results of an unannounced inspection at Cantor Community Hospital last November. Joining me to discuss the report where some serious issues were raised is Jennifer O'Neill, who is the General Manager of Older People's Residential Services for Cork and uh, Kerry. Good morning to you, Jennifer. And uh, you're, you're welcome. Now, 13 areas where regulations were not compliant. That's going to be upsetting for families who have a loved one there, just to hear that. Yes, Patricia, and I suppose I'm here this morning to firstly acknowledge that the report and that we accept the serious issues contained within it, but also to to reassure the residents and their families and I suppose the local community that we are taking the report seriously and we're addressing all the non-compliances that have been outlined in the report. We, we started addressing these from previous reports, some of the, the issues, and we've been working steadily, I suppose, to get to where we are now, which is a much better place. We're not finished, not by a long way, but we you definitely when you walk inside the door of Kentucky Community Hospital now, it looks better. I was listening to one of your um, 
um, phoning um, well, listeners, listeners yeah. earlier and they were talking about the floor covering and it's one of the areas we've addressed the fire yeah. the floor covering has been replaced there has been phenomenal work and I suppose I want to acknowledge the team that are in Kenturk and the great commitment that they've shown over the last um, year and I suppose I've always shown to the residents and the residents in Kenturk are their families their friends, their neighbours, and it's just supporting them to, to live in, in their new home, which is Kentucky Community. Yeah, because I have to say, on, on the real positive was the kindness of staff was identified. Yes. And that's really important. Oh no, and it's fantastic. The the staff in Kentuck would know all the residents and would um, would interact with them fabulously every day of the week. They they look after them because they are their 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 neighbours, friends, and family. I mean, Kentuck is is a rural community, and we're all part of that community. Uh, and I suppose the again the the Hikwa report would probably have suggested that that we need to move away from a medical model to a social model of care. And that would mean things like, say, one gentleman recently, his glasses broke. And, and historically, somebody would have just taken the glasses and had them fixed for the gentleman. Now what we're actually encouraging is that we promote a different model whereby instead of taking and fixing them for him, we involve him much more so in the decision around how they're fixed, where they're fixed, would he like to go to the optician and have them fixed? And, and it's that moving to involve the residents, their families, in all the decisions that are made. We have a, a um, See, cur- in, theory, in theory and practice, that yeah. sounds fantastic, but you need staff. And to, there, there is no shortage of staff in Kentucky Community Hospital. What okay. we have done is we have segregated the duties. So we have um, a particular number of staff HCOs who are looking directly after the residents. And then we have the, the other services that are, there is a group of staff now assigned solely to that. So we, we have segregated the duties, which was one of the other things in the HICWA report. So the people ne- or the HCAs now looking after the staff that are the residents. That's what their function is, and they're all very clear. We've new uniforms ordered, and there's a change in in when a resident looks at somebody. They know that they're there to look after them, or their yeah. families know where they're identifiable immediately when they come in. Uh, okay, some of the the. Uh, <laughs> What, what what I suppose what annoyed some people and I suppose would worry some people was poor findings and inadequate responses to three previous HICWA inspections. Why, when something was identified, when a deficit was identified, why has the work taken so long by the HSE? Well, I suppose there were construction work and building work and all of that has been now completed and that okay. does take take some time. We You know, you have to, to get reports in and we had to commission reports and get that done. The, the other thing is we're changing a culture in how you, you deal with things. So instead of um, us going saying we need new curtains we're now involving the residents and, and that's a change so for every time we make a decision in the hospital we have to say okay we're, we're, we're going to look at this this has an impact on the residents so we'll involve them and their families we had the nativity night at Christmas and that which evening, some of our listeners yes, have contacted we, us that about that evening after, after the, the nativity play was put on and, and some of our residents took part in that we went up and sat down and had tea with everybody in, in the, the dining area and we we showed them the plans and we asked them to, to participate in how we were going to change it. And and that engagement does take longer um, because we are actively involving the residents and their families because it is like they're the people who live there. We're just the ones assisting them to do that. And this is their home for life, isn't is it, it, for, yeah. for, for, so, for the majority? And it's wonderful. Like you should see the one of the ladies at the moment, this week I'm waiting to go back to find out what fabric she's chosen for the new curtains. I suppose on a personal level, I'm very much I go into my mother and the first thing I do is say, put on the kettle there, we'll have a cup of tea. And we're 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 actually in the process of putting 
a tea station in next to we have a, a quiet space so the wall has been broken through into a space next to it so we can put in somewhere for you know if, if you're going to visit ma'am you can actually go up put on a cup of tea talk to sit her down, and yeah. sit down and just yeah. have that, that little chat and stuff and it is a, it, it is about making it their home yeah. a- and I suppose all that work is ongoing and the staff are fantastic they have I, I can't praise them enough that the engagement and the enthusiasm and, and the feedback and there is feedback every day from, from the wards like everybody sits down at three o'clock there's a, a, a meeting whereby anything that's been observed or said and that's transferred back and that, that level of engagement that, that takes time look we're working together with the residents and their families. You're getting there, we're, as we're, we're saying, there, yes. because the the institutional practices continue to negatively impact many as- aspects of residents' lives. This is what came out in the, in the report. Um, for example, a significant number of residents remained in bed or sitting beside the bed for the duration of the inspection, and. Then I had to check, I said, what time that, was that inspection? How long did that last for? That inspection lasted all day from 10 o'clock in the morning till four in the afternoon. And some residents, no, I accept there will be some elderly people, some very unwell people who have to remain in bed. But for the majority of them to remain in bed or remain sitting beside the bed. And again, this is about how we, we, we approach people. It, it's the social, it, it's changing the question we ask. So if you ask somebody, are, are you OK there? instead of encouraging them to, 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 to move to, to a space or to go to meet some of the other residents. Go down to the talk, day room. Or go to the day room yeah. and talk. Yeah. Um, and that's what they're doing. So at the meeting every day, and that's what we're encouraging. I mean, the, the staff are great, but it's just how you ask the question. And I suppose encouraging people to get involved. On Saturday, for example, we had somebody in who was making Bridget's Crosses with the people. And, and again, it's just to bring people who would normally say, oh, no. And then it's it's to, to encourage them to say, oh, no, look, you love it. Or And I'm, by the way, if anyone is listening in from Kentuck, I'm waiting for my St. Bridget's Cross on Friday when I'm there. <laughs> didn't get delivered yet. I didn't get it yet. But, but it, and it is that just in involving them in all of the activities and it's to encourage them and I suppose the other thing we did a survey at Christmas as to their, their satisfaction with the service and what they'd like to see or what activities they'd like to be involved in. We have art classes starting for some of the residents in the near future and it's just that, that we're addressing that and it's to, to provide the things that they want to do not the things that we think they should mm. do and as I said those surveys were, were given to both the residents and their families and, and it's to, to take the feedback from that we have occupational therapy services and we have a, a lot of allied health care professionals going into Kenturk but we have um, an occupational therapy uh, therapist who's coming in to take the feedback from that I mean obviously the hospital have but like at a, a higher level I suppose and to engage and to make sure that the programmes and what we're doing and the engagement is is delivering the, the and is, it, is there an activities the there's an activities coordinator well, yeah. but again I suppose the one thing we've taken from HICRA and when we were talking to them about it is that like Sometimes it's the fact that somebody has made a shopping list their whole life and, and now they're given things. So it's to encourage a different way of, of thinking. And again, just to, to have the staff involved in all that because like they're, they're loving it. They're loving the change, the menus on the, t- in the, the dining room the, and the fact that people are, are, are helping and saying, oh, look, would you put a flower on that? Or, you know, we, we don't want to lose that or, or to change that. So it is, it, as I said, it's about delivering. Yeah, because the there was a lovely interaction spoken about in the in the report that the inspectors observed of one resident who just didn't fancy whatever the dinner was, you know, and we God, we all get days like that. And oh God, do I have to have that again? And one of the staff members interacted really well with that person. Yes. And then the meeting at three o'clock is to take that good, positive feedback and to to highlight it to everyone that that worked 
for that resident and to make sure that that example is used. And because you're you're capturing that feedback every day, then the, the, the good things that we do. And if there is a difficult situation, it's that we address it and say that didn't work. And how would we do it better together? Because the, as of the team, are behind the, the, the engagement and they are and I suppose it's just if you think slightly differently and say God I never thought of that and, and it's brilliant that they're, they're, they're taking that on board But a report like this has got to be very upsetting for all of the, for the staff I mean I was looking at the paper like uh, Cork Nursing Home unfit for purpose and you sort of see that in print and you think oh my God if you've got a loved one living there and you're seeing that in print I suppose th- the, the residents that are there at the moment, their their families are engaging in, okay. in the change and, and are actively involved in it. And I would hope that, yes, that they see what I'm saying today and, and that they would back that up, that there is a, a fantastic level of care in Cantor Community Hospital and that we have been actively working on, on a lot of the, the building issues. And look, it is it's an old building. We have plans um, that are going in for, for planning for, for the new extension, which will um, create fantastic space in Kenturk. So, like, there is a there is a plan there. It's not that we're, we're doing nothing about it. Okay, you're you're very enthusiastic. I yes. can see that. And and I'm uh, from North Cork. Oh, so are you as well? Yeah, <laughs> and you're yeah. So, so you think the? I mean, no doubt there will be a follow up HICWA in inspection. You're expecting a very different. Okay. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. When I, when I met the Hickory inspectors, I, I asked them what we needed to achieve and to, to, I suppose, to change what they said. And they said they needed a consistent, steady change pattern. And we're hoping that they'll see that. We're not going to be able to, to wave a wand and to deliver a, overnight. a social model overnight. But there is significant change already after um, taking place in Kenturk. And it is progressive. It, it is a plan that we're going to roll into the future and keep rolling. OK, well, good luck with it, uh, Jennifer. And uh, we really appreciate you taking time uh, to come on to As I say, we are getting a lot of uh, really not go- lovely texts and calls in from families who have loved ones living in Kenturk who were just upset by the report, yes. really upset uh, to see it. So pass on our best wishes to all of the staff as well and make and sure I was that they... Say, if I could just finish by saying, yeah. look, from our point of view... It, we're, we're grateful for the residents and their families' help at the moment and the, uh, the, I, I just like to acknowledge the wonderful support we're getting from them and the team of, of staff in Kenya. Okay.
Uh, thank you for that. Uh, that is uh, Jennifer O'Neill, who's General Manager, Older People's Residential Services for Cork and Kerry. And I can see we're still getting a lot of calls and texts in on the nurses, the nurses' strike, and the fact that they're striking again tomorrow. Uh, I will get to those calls and texts, I promise. And you can always email the programme, Patricia, at uh, c103.ie if you're having problems getting through on the phone. Now, tomorrow night at the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen, I'll be acting as MC for a Women in Agriculture forum that will deal with stress collaborative farming and succession. It's been organised by the Skibbereen and Bandon Credit Unions. The event, by the way, is free of charge. And joining me this morning is one of the keynote speakers, which is Fanola Colgan, who is an Area Development Officer with Mental Health Ireland. Good morning to you, Fanola. Good morning, Patricia. And you're, uh, you're welcome to the programme. And thanks for the invitation to be on again this morning. Now, you, uh, you, yep. you're, you're going to give five steps to well-being. With busy yep. lives, are we all yep. more stressed than previous generations? Or is it just that there's more focus on stress than there was before? Um, you know, I'd often be reflecting on that, Patricia. And I suppose we, we live the life and we experience the life that we are in the time that we are in the space that we are and, and that, you know, there's a lot of issues there in the last little while, great discussions about young children and, and, and social media and all of that. And just kind of thinking about it this morning, as, as a parent, with, with, when my children were young, that was not an issue for me, worrying about the children on smartphones. Like, they had access to phones, but they weren't smartphones. They had access to internet, but, like, it was... It wasn't even Facebook then, say. So there are a lot of issues coming into modern-day society that are causing a lot of stress. And and it's life events, I think, um, is contributing to that and clearly then impacting on our sense of mental health and our sense of well-being. And do we have a tendency to look after our physical health more than we will our mental health? Yeah, because the emphasis tends to be on jogging, running, exercise, walking, uh, reduce smoking, clearly very beneficial for better heart health. And But the ironic thing is that when we look after our mental health, we're actually in, re- reducing the risk of stroke. We're reducing the risk of poor heart health. We're, we're improving our physical health. So they go hand in hand. They're, you know, they're the same side of the, you know what I mean, of a, of a crime. Yeah. It's a question of, but we need to give the same attention to both because um, when when we're looking after our physical health, our mental health tends to fall in place. And when our mental health is in great form, we tend to be active as well, don't we? And we're yeah, able to cope with things much better because we're more energetic. It's not that things don't happen when your mental health is at full flow and your physical health is at full flow. You're still encountering life events. But are we embarrassed to talk about our mental health? I mean, if I have something physically wrong with me, I, you know, I'll open up and say what's wrong with me. But if it's if I'm struggling with my mental health, is there like a level of still a taboo almost? Yeah, I think I think that's moved down a lot with the generation, and I guess that's probably one of the plus factors for the generation coming on. Dare I say it behind us that they're more open about the awareness and the relativity and the importance of mental health. And they're wanting to put more emphasis on it. And places of work are recognising that having mental health strategies, policies in the workplace is every bit as important as putting into place healthy canteens and encouraging walking. You know, when they're doing that, they're also supporting their employees' mental health. Yeah, I think it is difficult. Like, you know, you're at the water fountain in your place of work. And do you say, oh, how are you today, Dave? Or how are you today, Patricia? And maybe inside you're burning up and will I say, oh, you know, I feel really lousy, I'm very down. Or do you say, oh, sure, I'm grand. But 
you know, someone has to break that taboo and somebody has to break that barrier and open up the conversation. And sometimes it can be as simple as that. Say, I'm feeling lousy because... And that doesn't mean because your mental health, your sense of mental well-being isn't in a good place. That doesn't mean you have a mental illness. Mm. And, and it's the confusion, I think, Patricia, that people have between mental health. If I talk about mental health, well, people think I am mad. mentally ill, unsound, yeah. mad, dare I say it, mad, crazy, yeah. all the negative words. And it does hold back people. Day. I, I don't. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Are you watching the Operation Transformation program on the TV this year? Uh, not this year. No. Oh no, because there's, um, there's one man. No. There's one man who's who's battling stress. You could you could see from the minute, like he yeah. obviously is a weight issue. But it's yes. but he actually opened up on the last week's program and right. said, "Who do I turn to when I'm having a bad day? I, you know, who am I yeah. able to?" And putting on this mask of everything is okay, and it's but, not. Yeah, but then maybe that's the challenge, Patricia, that we need to break down. Like, we can turn, we can turn to a family member, you know, but is it, but what, what is the barrier to that? Say, and, and for a person to say, you know what, I'm not feeling well today. What might your response be? You know what, will they go and have a cup of tea? Or would you like to talk about it? Like, offer the opportunity. And, and sometimes, as you know yourself, and you provide a massive service there in your radio station where people can vent what they're thinking and express all the good things and maybe the not so good things. It's the same difference, isn't it, Patricia? It's about talking. It's about communicating. Yeah. It's about airing how you're feeling. And it's about um, making time for each other. That's where I go back uh, to my, my original uh, question about this yeah. busy life we're all in. We don't yeah. have time for anyone. We well, have to make time. Yeah, but the thing is, we do have time. It's how we use our time. Yeah. And do we let go and do we say, you know, but that's not so important. Um, and that we have to measure up um, what's important and when do we need to drop things and when do we need to give ourselves quality time and, um, and have that space for ourselves. But we do. We have it kind of within us. But it's about do we do it or don't we do it? And I always kind of come back to the concept that we are adults, we're educated, we're informed and we can make choices. Rural isolation, though, uh, Fanula, can that can that add to our Uh, our mental health? Look, time like I live in a rural community, and um, and you know, and there are people there, and they cannot access transport. They can't get out. We know the issue around drink driving, and I'm very pro that we should have strict rules on that, definitely. But at the same time, we haven't enough support put in there to support like somebody to be able to go out and provide uh, an ongoing taxi service or something kind of sociable. Now, I know a lot of the partnership companies are looking at that. Mm. But, you know, and, and, and it is. It's, and sometimes, like in the rural community, a family member may be looking after an elderly parent and, and that, you know, that reduces their opportunities to get out and about um, as well unless there's absolute family support there. And that's not always there to no fault of the family um, so I do, I do think rural isolation contributes massively to people having a low sense of self-esteem and and not having the motivation maybe to get out and and have the opportunity to do that, Patricia. Okay, so you're coming to Skibbereen to join us yeah. tomorrow night, nice and you give you the deep south. Yeah, you you're coming from the Midlands, is it? Sure, <laughs> it now. Yeah, uh, sure. We're the heart of Ireland, <laughs> the heart and soul of Ireland. Now. Have you uh, have you connections? about the Cork being the real capital uh, of Ireland. Have you connections in Cork? Have you any connections down in Cork? Uh, no, no, not, not one, not no. one. Other than my mother, God rest her, was a lady from Mitchelstown. But Washington. other than that, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I did a few forms of years um, in UCC but um, never never actually worked in Cork 
Um, I, I left the city for, for the bigger city of Dublin. <laughs> and, and the rest, as I say, is history. You go to the Midlands and you marry a farmer and you have a farmer for a husband. They don't move. <laughs> so, um, no, I'm, I'm in Westgate now for the last, I'm almost frightened to say the last 30 years. As a and, farmer's wife. Well, something like that. Okay. <laughs> Not all at the time, I, I dare to say. And you're going to be giving you give uh, t- you top. Yeah. You've got you do five tips, isn't it for yeah, for a positive mental health? Well, being to just basically my kind of plan of action for tomorrow evening is to look at our understanding of mental health and well-being, and then uh, you know what supports do we have? What do we already have within ourselves? And then how might we use the evidence-based strategy of five ways to well-being? as for ourselves personally or in our place of work or on the farm. Because at the end of the day, the farm is a place of work. Yeah. It's a workplace. And and it's very, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a family home and it's a family business. And okay. how do you separate them, basically? Yeah. Okay, we look forward to chatting to you tomorrow yeah, night, look, uh, Fanola. I look forward to meeting you as well. Thanks for that. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. That you. is uh, Fanola Colgan, who's with uh, Mental Health uh, Ireland, Managing Stress and the Five Ways to Wellbeing uh, is what... Uh, Fanola will talk about tomorrow night. We're also going to have uh, Tom Curran from Chagas on Collaborative Farming Initiatives. And then Albert Wolf is a solicitor and he talks about, uh, we'll be talking about making a will, succession planning and legal issues on the farm. And I'm telling you, you'll come away from that. If you haven't made your will going, I need to go home and make a will, I need to go home and make a will. And then in the second half, I'll be uh, doing a panel discussion. We do a round table uh, chat where I'll be speaking with Valerie Kingston of Glen Island, Marguerite Crowley and uh, Marie uh, McCarthy. And we'll just talk about different issues affecting the ladies and where they are when it comes to their lives today. It is a free night thanks to Skibbereen and Bandon Credit Union but they do ask that people register please. You can either call either the credit unions or you can register www.skibbereencu.ie forward slash forum because obviously for numbers tomorrow there'll be uh, tea and bites and stuff and they just want to get the numbers uh, together for the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen but we're hoping for the event to kick off at 8 o'clock tomorrow night free event as I say if you're coming along I shall look forward to seeing you John Paul taking your calls 1850 333 in the next um, in the final hour of the programme don't forget we've got Peter Dowdell answering your gardening questions so if you can get your gardening questions into us uh, please do but also in the final hour of the programme we have tickets to give away the Everyman have contacted us Fly Me to the Moon is a very funny show which is we have tickets to get you there from Monday the 11th of February which is next Monday is it not it is so we've got five pairs of tickets to get you to see Fly Me to the Moon at the Everyman next Monday and we will be giving them away in the next hour after 12 o'clock on the programme and you can check out more about how to get tickets by going to www.everymancork.com. Joan in Newmarket, uh, delighted to see this report from Hikwa on Cantor Community Hospital. As Joan says, she was aware of some problems at the hospital, so good to see that they've been identified and now that the HSC are doing something about it. She's also delighted to see that new staff have come on board and uh, it is new, new, the, uh, new staff are making the, the difference. I'm sure that the older staff are making a difference as well, Joan. Anyway, uh, she's just glad to 
to hear that we're discussing it and it's not been brushed under the carpet and that something's been done for Cantor Community Hospital. Robin Cantor, delighted to hear the HSC coming on the radio and addressing the issues of Cantor Hospital rather than us all giving out about the hospital and nothing coming back from the HSC. At least they seem to be addressing the problem, which to me is a very positive thing, says uh, Rob. And a texter says, uh, Jennifer from the HSC, who joined you on the uh, programme, Jennifer O'Neill, spoke very well and sounds like a very caring person. As we get older, we can be very hard to motivate. Some older people are very happy to sit and relax and chill out all day and do nothing. So they need to be encouraged to do something. I think families also need to play a better part with their parents. And you will have wonderful family members. I mean, we had one family member who contacted us this morning saying herself and her dad go in every day uh, to visit their mother and and obviously her her dad's uh, wife and obviously very hands-on and very active. And you will have very hands-on, very active families who do get involved and who do regularly visit their family members in nursing homes. But unfortunately, we also know we have families when poor mammy or daddy gets dropped off to to the nursing home will not be seen again. They might show up on Christmas Day or they might show up on a bunch of flowers might arrive on a Mother's Day. But there are families who put their loved one into a nursing home and that is it. And then you are very much relying on the care and attention of staff to make sure that that elderly person is looked after. But you are right, it can be hard sometimes to motivate older people and that's what they're trying to do. And that was, you know, that's where Hickwa come in saying move away from a medical. Before it was always a medical model, you looked after their medical needs and once their medical needs were fine then you didn't care about anything else. There is this big push now towards the social model where you interact with the older uh, person and you encourage them to get involved. And sometimes... You know, that encouragement will take time and you really have to work on an older person, particularly if it's an older person who's just been used to being left lying in bed all day to encourage them to get up and say, you know, big, beautiful world out there. You might be able to run a marathon, but let's come down to the day room. And I thought it was lovely to hear. Let's come down to the day room and make a St. Bridget's Cross. You'll have achieved something in, in your day. So it does look they're really trying to get back on track and and make it a caring place that all homes, all nursing homes, I mean, one day any one of us could end up in a nursing home and you would like to think that the one we end up in is going to be loving and caring and that we'll be well looked after. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. How would you fancy a night at the Everyman Theatre next Monday night, the 11th of February? If so, get dialing now. Caller 5, 6, 7, 8 and 9. So have patience on this one. Five callers will each win a pair of tickets to go along to the Everyman next Monday night to see a comedy called Fly Me to the Moon. It's Francis. This is the storyline. Francis and Loretto are community care visitors. Davy, one of the elderly charges, has had a significant win on the horses, but he doesn't know. When the cash-strapped women learn that Davy will not be around for a considerable time, they're faced with a mouth-watering dilemma. If you'd like to go along to this comedy by award-winning writer Marie Jones, it's one night only in the Everyman next Monday night. So as I say, five pairs of tickets. It's called Fly Me to the Moon. Get dialing now, 1850 and call a 5678-9 to get through to John Paul will each win a pair of tickets and we'll be heading off to the Everyman next Monday night. And if you don't win and you'd like to buy yourself some tickets, then ticket information on everymancork.com. Everymancork.com. 
gmail.com. Some of your commentary in this, Heidi contacted us by WhatsApp to say that she was watching a programme this morning. I don't know if it was on the news or what on the BBC. And it was to do with fraud that has come to light at the NHS. And she was quite blown away by some of the stories that came out about the level of fraud at the NHS. And the NHS in England is like our HSE here. And she gives me some of the examples like there was somebody doing security work as a locksmith at Guy's Hospital. And Guy's Hospital, one of the most famous hospitals, I think, uh, in London. That particular locksmith got away with half a million pounds until obviously he was caught. Heidi makes the point, this is taxpayers' money. That was money that could have been used to pay nurses and you know, to run hospitals. And seemingly, according to this programme on the BBC, this type of fraud happens right across all medical areas. Now, Heidi's wondering, could it be happening here? Maybe not on the same level, but we literally don't know. And she makes the point that with all the scams on phones and scam emails, and we're constantly hearing about the scams going on, could there be fraud going on at the HSE that we don't know about? Maybe, she says, not on the same scale as it is in the United Kingdom. But she was staggered at the amount of money that managers have also gotten away with through doing some kind of scams. I'm taking it. Theft. I mean, it literally is uh, theft. I, as I say, I haven't seen the programme. It was, it was on this morning. But what I did spot, and I kind of tied it in with what Heidi was saying, I did read a piece in the paper today. And it's one of those pieces, you see the headline, I must take a look at that, that can't be right. And it's to do with the HSE, Health Service Executive. And the fact that they spent nearly €19,000 over 14 months, the money was spent to rent a seven-year-old vehicle that they needed. But it seems, at the time that they were leasing and renting this van or vehicle for the 14 months and spending about €19,000, they could have gone out and bought a similar vehicle for between five and 10,000, depending, I suppose, on the mileage they would have got and which one they had picked. And this has all come out from a HSE internal uh, audit. It was an audit on the executive's lease and rental arrangements for vehicles and equipment. And it found that the expenditure in this area, in inverted commas, may not represent value for money may not represent value for money. So just to give a bit more detail on on this particular vehicle. Up to September of 2017, 18,900, so just €100 short of 19,000 was incurred on payments for a 09 registered vehicle. Now, I don't know what the registered vehicle was. I don't know whether it was a van or was it a minibus or was it a car? And I don't know what it was used for except that the HSE somewhere in the country needed it. So they decided there's a 09 van and this is in 2017. They decided, yeah, that'll do us fine. That's exactly what we need. Let's lease it. So they initially agreed for a 12-month rental on the vehicle, but then that had to be extended and they had to take out another lease. But in total, 14 months was what they leased this vehicle for, for just under €19,000. But the auditors then did a check, a cross-check, and looked at prices in 2017 and into 2018 to see if they were to go away and buy the same vehicle, what would it have cost? And the auditors came back and said they could have bought the same vehicle for between 5000 They could have got it for as low as 5000 or as high as 10000 And then at the end of the day, after the 14 months, 
they'd still have the vehicle. They could still be using the vehicle if it was in good nick. So the total value of operating vehicle lease rentals from the HSE in 2016 for one year alone was over half a million, 514,000 euro on the leasing of vehicles. And that was just for one year for 2016. So the auditors are not saying, are now saying that that may not represent value for money. And it kind of goes back again to whether while everyone's, you know, the mind boggling figures of the National Children's Hospital and people saying, how is the National Children's Hospital, how have the prices been allowed to go up and the cost of building it and equipping it and every time you look at it there seems to be another few million on it and then eventually it goes over a billion in the overspend and people scratching their heads saying how is that allowed to happen so Pete Price, Waters, Coopers have been brought in to say you go in and look and we'll pay you a half a million to decide how can the overspend be so much? And then we've got their own internal auditors coming back and saying, well, this may not represent value for money. We could be wasting money here. And you're hearing the nurses saying they're looking for more money and the Department of Health saying we don't have the money. And Phil Hay, the head of the nurses coming out saying there's wastage in the HSE and she, you know, cites a couple of things but one thing she does, she constantly brings up about is the cost of agency nurse. So there is a lot of money being wasted in the HSE. Money that maybe could go to the nurses, maybe could be used to pay the nurses but it's just, it's mind-boggling that someone could decide that it's okay to spend 19 thousand euro renting a vehicle for 14 months when they could have bought one for for 5,000 I mean does it all go back to because it's not your money I mean there's no one there's no one in there would run their own household like that there is nobody listening to this programme would decide I need a vehicle to drive to get me from A to B or whatever and do you know what I'm going to do I'm going to lease it but I could I could buy one cheaper but sure I won't I'll lease it instead you just wouldn't do it with your own money but is it because it's it's not your own money it's somebody else's money. Sure, that's not my money. I'll, I'll pay what I like. Is that what it is? Is that what the problem is? Is that where it goes down to? And and that's just an internal audit with the HSE on one small department, just on the lease rentals for one year, and they can spend that kind of money. And you wonder if they did a breakdown. I mean, they're just giving the example of one vehicle. If they looked at all of the vehicles that they rented or leased, would it have been better value for money if they'd gone away and actually bought? the vehicle. 1850 And can I just stay with a vehicle, <coughs> renting and buying a vehicle? Because Martin has contacted us. He is a family man, married man with five children. And he can't fit all of them into a seven-seater with seats There's a, and a double buggy and all of that. And obviously some of his children are younger and, you know, they're in special booster seats and all of that. So if they all want to go somewhere, they'd be the five children, uh, Martin and his wife, the, so the seven of them. And even with the seven seater, he said it's not possible for them all to fit safely. So he decided to do something about it, wanted to keep all his little family safe on the road. So he went out and he bought an eight seater. Now, he describes it as a retired vehicle in that it was a vehicle that was used to bring special needs children to and from school. So he said that would be ideal. Big family and 
will be able to get the double buggy and everything else into the back of it and it'll be perfect. So he's purchased and I'm assuming he's bought it, has he? So he decided, let's go get the insurance. He's not going to drive around without insurance. And this is where our Martin has hit a bit of a brick wall. He can't get anyone to insure him because... He was driving a seven-seater. There was no problem getting insurance on a seven-seater. But because it's an eight-seater, all of the insurance companies are saying, no, no, that's a commercial vehicle. We can't can't insure it. Even though he said it's NCT'd as a private vehicle. And now he cannot find an insurance company. So he's contacted us to see if we can call it out on the radio, which of course we're now doing, to see if anybody knows of an insurance company out there that can help Martin or if anybody knows can point us in the right direction of where we can send Martin to where he would be able to get insurance on what is an eight-seater vehicle, even though it's bizarre that it's nct as private, but for insurance purposes. So for the NCT purposes, it's deemed private, but for insurance purposes, all the insurance companies are saying, no, that's a commercial vehicle. We can't insure you. So if anybody can give us advice for that, can you help us, please? 1850 Can you stop calling us, please, on our Everyman competition? Fly me to the moon and flying to the Everyman next Monday night are uh, Mary Allen from Rock Chapel. Congratulations, uh, Mary. Margaret in Mallow and I don't have a surname on Margaret in Mallow's name even though I know John Paul will but he was just trying to get through the calls as quickly as he, as he could and get numbers and, and names and addresses Eileen Walsh in Middleton congratulations Eileen Kay Kelleher is in McCroom well done Kay and Maureen McCarthy is in Mitchellstown so a nice spread of winners there all heading off to the Everyman to see this comedy let me know ladies how you got on it sounds like it's going to be a really fun night out one night only in the Everyman Fly Me to the Moon next Monday the 11th of February if you want a bit of a giggle and you didn't win the tickets you can get ticket information on everymancork.com but you can stop calling us on that competition because we want to clear the lines uh, please for any gardening questions that you might have for Peter Dowdell because Peter will be joining us uh, later on this hour so 1850 if you've got a gardening question or if you want to text or WhatsApp a gardening question you can to 0862103103 and I also want to acknowledge a handwritten letter that I received in the post this week and you always know when you get a handwritten letter that goes to Ms. Messenger well they don't even want to say my name you know you're in trouble straight away and actually as I opened the letter I saw on the back you probably will not read this or transmit our comments thanks anyway now the reason that I won't I did read it but that I won't transmit the comments is that the letter has been sent anonymously don't know where it's come from and I get a lot of letters in the post we get a lot of emails uh, to the programme we get, get a lot of texts and calls and you can write to us in absolute total confidence and put on your letter please don't read out my name and address. A little bit like when you write a letter to the editor and it will say name withheld. We do the very same thing here in the radio station. That's not to say that I read out every single letter I get with because some of them will get me into trouble, believe me. But if you really want to have a go at me, which is what this person is doing, then please do put your name on it. You could just say not for publication or even 
just so that I know who you are and that you are a real person that you're not um, well I'm assuming you're not a robot because you've actually uh, written uh, the letter and you say that you don't want to give out your name because you don't know where where my allegiances lie I don't know what you're insinuating by that comment and it's not just me you're having a go at you're having a go at the Southern Star as well and you know what it's all over ladies and gentlemen it's over the fact that I did an interview with a local producer from a little independent company called Abu Media who are making a living history project to commemorate the War of Independence and they're doing it for RTE and it's the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland who are funding it and we spoke about it because they were putting out a recruitment call. They were looking for 12 men to take part in an open day which by the way I might as well mention it now because it's this and I did promise that I'd give it a mention today or th- this week it's on this Saturday if anybody wants to go on go along it's a living history project to commemorate the war of independence and they're putting out a recruitment call for anyone who thinks that they, they have what it's have what it takes to be part of a flying column and they're going to do a boot camp and live on the run for a week in West Cork where you learn to uh, shoot and we did emphasise that you won't be killing anyone, but you dare learn drill and you have to stay undetected. And it's a boom media are making this programme for RT, funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. And they're looking to recruit 12 men from the West Cork area. And actually what they were hoping to do, if it was possible, if they had any direct descendants from people who would have been involved in the flying columns during the War of Independence. Anyway, uh, somebody wrote to me, I have a feeling it's male, but it could be female. But you know the way you just get a feeling when you're reading a letter thinking, ah, it's a man has written that. But I just want to acknowledge that I did receive the letter, uh, but that I, I think your criticism is wrong, by the way. But the fact that you didn't put your name and address, even though I wouldn't have publicised your name and uh, address, uh, the comments will remain with you, sir or madam. 1850 John Paul taking your calls quick couple of texts in on the nurses Kate says Tricia the nurses need to be very careful here much more loss of appointments and the public will turn against them they are looking for the impossible unfortunately I've had a lot of dealings with nurses over the past number of years many are simply in the wrong a job no compassion and a lot of a bad attitude said Kate but also on the other side there are many who are right to be in that profession who are full of compassion and and are great we won't tire everyone with the one brush and this is from P emailing Patricia at c103.ie I'm sick of hearing the nurse's poor mouth a staff nurse earns just short of a thousand euro per week plus allowances plus overtime 200 to 300 for Sunday and holidays an increase in pay won't bring in one extra nurse put student nurses back on the wards this will help with the shortage plus a compulsory three year contract after training and stop us training nurses to go out to other uh, countries and P believing the nurses are well paid and we have had nurses who have said to us yes they get the bones of gross pay 50,000 euros a year which works out at about 1,000 euro a week but then as nurses have said to us when you take your taxes your USC your pension levy when you take all of that out of it they come out with I think it was 30,000 a year and they were saying that that simply is not enough. 1850-333-103 Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 with a reminder that we're looking for your gardening questions please please uh, for Peter later on this hour. The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie
Manam Cara. They're holding a bereavement information evening. That's on tonight at uh, 20 past seven. It's in the Clayton Hotel in uh, Silver Springs. The monthly mass in honour of St. Pio will be held in St. Joseph's Church. That's in this mar. Eight o'clock. All are welcome. The North Cork AC are running a Coach to 5K Walk to Run training programme. It's in Charleville and it begins this evening at 7.45. You can start anytime in February with more information on the North Cork AC Facebook page. Quiz night will be held in Scanners Bar in Clonakilty. That's tonight. It's to raise funds for three students who are travelling to Uganda as part of the Self Help for Africa campaign. And bingo is on tonight in the Adele Quinn Hall, half past eight. Usual buses will run and all are uh, welcome. And West Cork ICSA are hosting a farmers meeting on the future of dry stock farming. That's on this Thursday night, Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway and the event will commence at eight o'clock. When I was talking about wastage at the HSC, when we're talking about that van, that uh, a vehicle, I keep thinking it's a van, I have it in my head, it's a van, but a vehicle that was rented uh, for 19,000 euro over 14 months and they could have bought one for between five and uh, 10,000. James and Brewery said 40 years ago, ministers were receiving six, hundred euro or would have been punts at that stage a year now they're getting over 200,000 euro a year and no one did anyone to stop this or are are doing anything about it now I feel in the government there is a massive waste of money and this was in the time of Dick Spring and Albert Reynolds all the money wastage wastage was mentioned back in those days and nothing's ever been done about it so it isn't really a new story at all there's always been uh, wastage in the public uh, sector thank you for that um James and by the way somebody says somebody called Tim was on to say can you let the Martin wasn't it Martin was the driver of the eight seater know that I have an eight seater for private use and I got it insured with Aviva insurance Aviva insurance thank you for that Tim we will pass that I'll get make sure John Paul passes that on to Martin that Aviva insurance will do an eight seater let me go to the phone line Sam has contacted us Uh, good afternoon to you Sam Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, Sam, this is, did this happen, did this issue that you, you're about to tell us about happen today? Yes, Patricia, okay. yeah, just, just, just about an hour ago. Okay, Parnell Place bus station, just, you're waiting for a bus, tell us what happens. Yeah, so I was, I was at Parnell Place out the front of the bus station waiting for the, the 205 to get me to college and um, I noticed a 208, a double-decker 208 parked up um, at the bus stop with passengers inside but no driver. Um, now the door was wide open there was passengers at the door wanting to board but there was no driver so people were looking quite confused you know mm. and um, so I just I just watched I suppose uh, what was going on and um, eventually anyway a, a smaller single deck 208 pulls up behind us and uh driver comes over to the, the double decker and uh, tells everyone to leave that bus and tells them to board the, the bus behind and um, only after seen that happen I was wondering what what was going on you know and uh, I, I talked to, to some of the passengers that were obviously quite frustrated and angry and they, they told me that they had been sitting on the bus with no driver for half an hour the the driver had got up left and uh, not told the passengers anything left them on the bus sitting there for half an hour In Parnell Place? In Parnell Place the, the 208 bus going towards uh, Bishopstown Yeah yeah Could yeah. I wonder did the driver become unwell? I don't know, Patricia, but uh, they they were told absolutely nothing. They they were left sitting on the bus for half an hour and told told nothing, nothing at all. And 
I'd like to add that this is not the, the first time such such a thing has happened, and uh, it's, I, I doubt it'll be the last because um, the communication that passengers are getting from bus air and when services are cancelled or delayed is, is non-existent. And this is something you feel quite passionate about. Absolutely. I'm, I'm currently running a campaign page on Facebook um, called Improve Cork Bus Air and Services. And uh, we receive uh, a lot of com- complaints on a daily basis um, from other disgruntled passengers that use Bus Air and that have to rely on Bus Air on a, on a daily basis uh, to, to get to work, to get to hospital, to get to appointments. And, you know, the 208 is a, is a key route there, you know. It's, it's, it's bringing people to hospitals, bringing people to... Yeah. Yeah, and school, I mean, if you're you sitting know. on a bus waiting a half an hour, as you, well, if you had a hospital appointment, which is very possible for that particular route that you did, yeah. you could end up um, missing your your appointment. Now, I know John Paul has, has put a call through to us there and we haven't had, had anything back yet. It is possible that the driver became unwell and that does happen. But if that be the case, communicate with the people on the bus and at and least tell them what's going on. Yeah, and the, the last thing is, is the bus is parked right in front of the bus station. You have an inspector sitting inside in the bus station. He's not telling anyone anything. You know, you, you have to question here what, what he's doing sitting there if he's not out telling passengers, communicating with passengers. He can clearly see right outside his window a double-decker 208 sitting there well over half an hour Passengers on inside wondering what's going on, and I, I saw passengers asking the person, the, the driver that was telling them to leave the bus. I saw them ask him, you know, what, what, what was going on? Why, why were we waiting here for half an hour? And the, the driver just shrugged, shrugged them off, you know. Yeah, um, he, he didn't know. He didn't know what to tell them. Yeah, keep and, yeah, keep people informed. I think that's what annoys people more than anything. You know, we all you know have gone through delays be it you know airports trains planes and automobiles yeah. there will be delays along the way but keep people informed yeah I you know Patricia I've I've uh, I've sent complaints numerous times to Bus Aaron well over for well over the past year and uh, these these things are cropping up again and again and again the same problems and do they so, do they answer you when you put in your complaints do they give they, you explanations as to what happened they, and why it happened to be honest, to be honest, Patricia, the, re- the responses that I'm getting from Bosseran and the responses that other people are getting from Bosseran, and I've seen them because they've sent, they've they forwarded, they forwarded me emails. Other other passengers have forwarded me emails that they've received back from Bosseran, and um, most of them received back uh, replies that were very vague. They didn't go into any detail. They frequently use uh, excuses such as operational issues as an excuse. Um, they, they don't delve into any detail whatsoever, which which isn't helpful for the passenger either, because passenger might be waiting at a bus stop. For example, I was waiting at a bus stop um, before for for well over an hour, and the service just didn't show up. And the next day, I, when I emailed, the response I got back was operational issues. You know that 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 doesn't help me. That doesn't explain anything. And the problem here, Patricia, is as well because I've notified the National Transport Authority. Mm. I've notified Shane Ross in the Minister for Transport's office. And the responses that I've received back from them have been absolutely outrageous. I have gotten no proper response from them whatsoever. They have told me they've, they've been blaming each other in the emails, and I have the emails to back them up, to back that up. Um, Shane Ross has replied to me, telling me that it's not his issue, that it's a day-to-day issue that Bus Aaron has to deal with themselves. But if I'm complaining to Bus Aaron for the past year about these issues continuously happening, and they're still happening, then you have to kind of question 
when does this become an issue for Shane Ross to deal with? As the Minister for Transport, yeah. yeah. All right, okay, listen, Sam, yeah. thank you for that and thanks for, for highlighting it. 1850 Angela from Moy said, I heard the comment about a staff nurse getting paid €50,000 a year gross pay and after tax she comes home with 30000 But my husband is now on a pension, is paying USE plus tax. So everybody has to pay tax. So I think now we are making them out to be Florence Nightingales, which they are not. I've met fantastic nurses down through the years, but I've also met demons. But we all pay tax, not just nurses, including retired people. And by the way, Angela said, I'm speaking of retired people who are not on huge pensions. I'm getting cheesed off with nurses. And as for councillors standing with them on the picket line, I think they're only doing it for uh, votes. Uh, Hi, Patricia. Okay, some nurses may get third level grants and a big, but a big percentage do not get grants for their educational costs when they're training to be a nurse as family earnings don't allow it. Grants do not cover accommodation and they aren't paid for their work until they're qualified. The lady complaining about nurses may not have a family member nursing but no one is stopping her from telling her family member to work for free after college and that was when we spoke with the young student yesterday wasn't it who was talking about that that I wasn't aware of the amount of when the student is training to be a nurse, the amount of hours that they have to give, which is unpaid, which then stops them going out and getting part-time work as students do. The majority of students, when they're doing other courses, will go out and, you know, pick up a bit bit of, you know, bar work, restaurant work, whatever it is. But for student nurses, they can't do that. They're in college doing, you know, degree course, the same as the next person. But part of that course, they have to go out and get you know, on-site training, they have to be in hospitals and in nursing homes, uh, etc. that they don't get paid for, which does seem uh, jolly unfair. Back to Canturk Hospital. Hi, Patricia. I'd like to make a comment. I, I would like to react to a comment that you got in from a listener who was talking about the new staff making a difference at Canturk Hospital. I have a member of my family who's a patient in Canturk, has been now for over a decade, and I argue with that comment referencing new versus old staff. The staff have always, that's in inverted commas, displayed a high level of care to both my relative and all of my family. All staff are to be commended on the care and that is both new and old. And just a final one before we go to gardening with Peter Dowdell. This made me smile from Dan when we were talking about internet safety and talking about the amount of young people now that have access to some kind of a smart device is eight, it's the average age now, is eight. Huge portion of eight-year-olds either have their own phone or they have access to, they have their own iPad or they are able to use mum or dad's iPad or they've got the internet at home on a computer or whatever. So they have access to the internet and this is the frightening thing when you're looking at eight-year-olds because trying to keep them safe with some of the people that are out there is, is just shocking. Dan says, Patricia, on IT... And where we're at. On a recent visit to my grandchildren, mum was telling the kids to put down their iPads while I was there and let's all have a chat and, you know, let's put technology away. Grandma has spoken. And I said to them, when I was their age, we didn't even have a TV. The eight-year-old answered very quickly, did you have to watch everything on your phone? Cook's more news at breakfast.
Make sure Cork's More Music Breakfast is part of your morning routine. Hey, it's Simon and I'm back on the air tomorrow from 6am with a massive pile of Cork's greatest hits. €1,520 on our Daily Game Celebrity Seas. All things Cork, the biggest breaking stories of the day. And the street feet will make sure you're kept moving through the morning traffic. See you tomorrow from 6. See And just a couple of quick texts in reacting to Sam who was complaining about what happened in the bus with the passengers left sitting on it uh, for half an hour uh, this morning. A texter says, this is a regular occurrence with the 2.45 to Fomoy. Happens nearly every day. The passengers are left sitting without a driver. And Connor in the city says, I've complained to bus Aaron lots of times similar to what Sam was talking about passengers sitting on a bus for half an hour without a driver and I never get an adequate response for them from them and we've I've checked with John Paul we haven't heard anything back from them yet I doubt we'll get it before the news at one if so if not I'll bring it to you tomorrow 1850 Peter Dowdle joins me as the sun is shining and it's, it looks like it's a lovely spring day out there good afternoon to you Peter it is a lovely spring day. We've had we've had four seasons in the last we, week, literally, haven't we? <laughs> we absolutely have, but it's great. To, and it's mild. We're back to the lovely mild weather. Even if it is wet, but it's we've had the mild weather is great. But the sun is shining, and when the sun shines, it's glorious. I'm, I'm hope it is glorious. It's lovely when the sun shines. It's actually beginning to get, be a bit of warmth in the sun now. But I, I'm hoping that... Um, that were past the cold spell. Funnily enough, the gardens could actually possibly do with the longer cold spell, but, <laughs> but Dodal certainly couldn't. I, I yeah. enjoy the milder weather, yeah. Okay, Michael was on to say, Hi Peter, I thought I'd beat the rush and I put down my wild flower meadow garden. I did it before the cold spell last week. Do, will it, do you think it'll be okay? The short answer is probably not, I'm afraid. Some of the seeds will, will, will like uh, normal wild flowers, like obviously will set seed naturally in, in the wild obviously and they'll have that period of cold uh, and that cold stratification which is what is referred to kind of horticulturally does them no harm it actually promotes germination but I suppose the short answer here is wait and see I wouldn't have recommended doing it beforehand the seeds were, weren't you know falling naturally into the soil they were from a packet so some will probably come but some have certainly been killed so it is a question of wait and see and you, 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 you don't beat the rush unfortunately in, when no. it comes to nature you've got to do things at the right season so the right season really to sow a, a wildflower lawn I would say is March when the temperatures are beginning to increase again March and September but I would even say probably March well, You've just answered the next question when is the best time to set wildflower seeds so wait wait until March Yes, okay, Jack. Exactly. Jack and you all. Uh, when should I prune the bush flower called Christmas box? It's getting very big. I don't want to cut it at the wrong time of year. Yeah, well, Christmas box. It's, it's, it's easier to refer to it as that. The correct name. I'm only showing off now, Trish. But the correct name is a plant called Sarsicoca confusa. Of course, and, it is. Uh, it, it is. But it's known as Christmas box, and it's a bit of a misnomer because it tends not to flower at Christmas. It's in flower at the moment, and it's strongly, strongly scented, Trish. It really is beautiful plant for, for scent at this time of the year. But yes, it can get quite big and get a few feet tall. Uh, don't cut it at the moment because you will be sacrificing those beautiful blooms which are giving such great scent. Uh, so do it pretty much ex- exactly after flowering. Uh, the Sarsicoca flowers on, it'll flower in next late winter, early spring, if you like, next January, February on growth that it produces this year. So you don't want to sacrifice that growth by cutting it too late. So cut it now as hard as you want. 
uh, it'll give plenty of new growth this year which will be flowering stems for next year. Okay, this came in early and actually I th- I'm sure we addressed this last week but obviously Anne didn't get to hear the answer. Anne is the lady who has a wedding coming up in March and her tarmac is full of moss and she obviously wants it all nicely clean for the wedding in March because of the photographs and all of that. Advice please. Well, the best advice I can give is if you want to do it yourself, there are many products, and we've discussed this at length over the years, Trish, because, of course, it's Ireland. It's a, and it's a reoccurring damp. issue. It keeps coming yeah. up for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's warm and it's damp, so it's, it's, it's always going to be a problem. Um, so we've looked at things like salt, and I know we did discuss this last week. If you were using salt for de-icing, that will also have the benefit of, of killing off any moss beneath. But, but salt, depending on where it runs off to, into the lawn or into your garden, could, could cause damage. So be slow enough to use it there's um there is a product which i did refer to last week and it's moscow now moscow is a, a well-established brand in, in terms of muscular it's probably the best known brand but moscow now do a probiotic muscular and i was only using it myself a few days before the cold spell actually uh on my own drive and it, it did a great job it really it, it's little enough work little enough elbow grease you know and it just kills it off it, it'll take a while but it will kill it off so the moscow probiotic muscular is what I would use. Or else there is then, if you want to get the professionals in, there's the company which I've also mentioned before, and it's um, their Back to Black Tarmac Restoration, uh, and they have also done my drive before. And it's like it's like bringing people in to polish your driveway. They do such a good job. It's left impeccable, spotless. Yeah, uh, so and I have to say, we've, we've, since you've started mentioning that company, we've had a few people who employed them and said they're great. They really are. Yeah. They really are, yeah. So you get the professionals in Back to Black, or else, uh, you, if you want to do it yourself, the Moscow probiotic. Okay, straight back to questions. Garden, is it too late to relocate rhubarb plants? Is it too late? Well, I suppose it's a case of better late than never. It's not the ideal time to be doing it. No, ideally you would have done it in October. So if you can wait, I would wait until the, the end of this year. It's kind of October time. Uh, however, if for some reason you can't, in other words, if you're building over that area or any some reason that they need to move you probably won't kill them in fact you won't kill them by moving them now but you'll probably be sacrificing this year's harvest all right what time of year to plant heather please says jim in doris well it it, it uh, this may sound like a vague answer to jim but it actually doesn't matter because all heather nowadays is grown in pots nearly all plants nearly all garden plants nowadays are grown in pots and containers and garden centers traditionally you see we would only buy plants what's called bare root trish which means they weren't grown in, in these nice pots um, so you only had a, a, a short enough window to get your plants and planting done uh, but that was because there was only a certain period that they could come out of the ground in the nursery not not go into the ground so now because everything is grown in pots you can plant really 12 months of the year so excepting when the ground is frozen like last week or, or physically waterlogged you wouldn't plant during those periods but otherwise you, could, you can plant whenever the only thing to bear in mind, if you're getting your heathers in a garden centre, obviously, number one, try and make sure they're Irish heathers, Irish grown, because they, they will be better. They'll, they'll tolerate our conditions better. Um, but also, bear in mind, garden centres will have in stock what looks well over the next few months. So if you go to a garden centre now, you'll probably just find winter and spring heathers. So if you want a good long display of heathers, you probably need to go back later in the season to get summer and autumn heathers. Okay. So just bear that in mind, but you can plant them whenever you can get them. And heathers are good. They're good sturdy little plants. Oh, they, they give great colour. And yeah. I think I mentioned to you before, Tristan, there were studies done, which, the results of which came out last, the end of last year, which showed that he, uh, honey 
made from Irish heather yeah. is is even richer in, I can't remember the chemical formulation, but it's even richer in whatever that chemical formulation is than Manuka honey. Which costs a fortune. Oh, and there's lots of, st- yeah, and they're doing more work on it. It's, uh, yeah, it's great. And I always yeah. think that if you're, when you're buying honey, to try and buy locally produced honey. Yeah, but there is, I'm, I'm a bit of a honey buff because I do, I hugely believe in the health benefits of honey. So yeah. do be very careful because a lot of the ones that you would think are Irish honey, oh, no. they might have a nice Irish name. If you look at it, it'll say a blend of EU and non-EU honey, so it's not Irish. Be <laughs> careful know. when you're buying. Okay, could you ask, uh, Peter, please, when is a good time to move rhododendrons? Rhododendrons are difficult enough to move. I'm taking a sharp intake of breath there because if it's an established plant, that they don't always move successfully, I'm afraid. The, the, okay, to give you the textbook answer as to when to do it, I would say January. Uh, if I wouldn't be moving them now because it's just so mild, Trish. If we did get another cold spell in the next week or two, I mean icy cold, uh, then do it then or do it just after then. Um, alternatively, wait till next January. It's the best time to do it, but get as big a root ball as possible. They're not deep-rooted, they're shallow-rooted, so you will be able to get the the root ball, uh, a decent enough root ball, but um, cut them back at the same time or just before you move them. Make sure you're leaving a good lot of greenery on it. In other words, don't cut into woody growth with no leaves. Um, Move them, don't leave them out of their their, ground for any length of time and keep it very, very well watered after you've moved it. All that being said, there is still, if depending on how mature it is, there's still a substantial enough risk that, that they won't survive it. But if you have to try it, that's the, that's the way if to you, do if it. If you have to, yeah. Somebody's giving advice on moss removal. Little washing powder is very effective in removing moss from drive, driveways. You sprinkle and wait. I've heard that many yeah, times, actually. Yeah. Not just the little ones. Yeah, any, I'm, well, I, think, yeah. I think the reason they say little is it's one of the cheapest washing powders you can buy. But if, okay. you, yeah, if you can get your hands on any cheap washing powder and sprinkle it, I'd just be afraid of the runoff. Will that all run into the... This, it, this is it. Yeah. No, I, I'm exactly the same. It was funny because I was just going on to the RT Today programme the other day and they were bringing up the same question and Dahi mentioned washing powder. And I said, yes, it, it is good, I believe. I've never used it. But I'm not sure environmentally how sound... It might be fine. Yeah. I don't know. I don't You'd know. you afraid about it killing its bath. What it's doing, okay. exactly. Yeah. All right, got to go. We'll leave it there. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers, Trish. Have a good week. week. Bye-bye. That Bye. is uh, Peter Dowder at theirishgardener.com back with us answering your gardening questions uh, next week. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for uh, producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. We're back with you uh, tomorrow morning at 10 on the line. Patricia Mess. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.